there's the, a moment where the expedition got to Astoria, Oregon, and the mouth of the Columbia River, okay. the Pacific Ocean. And the quote, the great quote is, ocean in view, oh, the joy. Okay. And that was kind of a similar thought that I had when we were at the point where all the artifacts yes. were in place, all the, you know, all the furnishings that we needed to open right. were there. Right. And that was our ocean in view, oh, the joy. Yes. You heard that there. After years of planning, fundraising, renovations, and even a little global pandemic, when the doors opened on the Mishawaka Historical Museum, president and curator Pete DeKeever instantly thought of Lewis and Clark's quote when they first saw the Pacific Ocean. More on that later, but first. Welcome to Round the Bend Now and Then, a podcast that shines a light on the South Bend and Mishawaka areas past and present. Through interviews with local business owners, leaders, and community members, our listeners and I learn together about all of the great people and great things going on in our community, as we also learn about South Bend and Mishawaka's history and how intertwined our past is with our present. In this episode, I meet with Pete DeKeever, the president and curator of the brand new Mishawaka Historical Museum. A few years ago, I'd read an article or two about the plans to open up a museum in Mishawaka, and I obviously thought, how cool is that? And you know anything that celebrates our area's local history, I'm all in. Then a few months ago, I read that the museum had opened, opened in March. So I reached out and communicated with Pete and set up an interview to shine a light on the Mishawaka Historical Museum. But first, I wanted to check out the museum, so Pete gave me a tour. The museum is located right in downtown Mishawaka at 121 South Main Street, so it's literally right near Main and Lincoln Way. You walk in, it's bright, it's clean, it's organized, and it definitely does not have that cluttery, dusty old attic feeling. And most importantly, it is all exclusively local Mishawaka history and artifacts. If you're from the area, and especially if you're from Mishawaka, you'll love the Mishawaka Museum. After listening to this episode, you'll definitely have an appreciation for all of the hard work and energy that went into planning, fundraising, constructing, designing, and finally opening the museum. And most importantly, after hearing this episode, I hope that you'll visit there and also spread the good word about the Mishawaka Historical Museum. Before we get into how wonderful the Mishawaka Historical Museum is, we discuss a few different topics concerning local history. But first, Pete describes just why he bleeds Mishawaka maroon. Pete, tell, tell us about yourself. What, what inspired you to, to get into local history? What, you know, where are you from, your background, everything? Sure. I'm a lifelong Mishawakan. Uh -huh. uh, I was born in Mishawaka and have lived there uh, other than four years at Indiana University, lived there uh, my entire life. And uh, you know, I was raised uh, really to, to love Mishawaka. Mm -hmm. I always tell people my dad brainwashed me from a young age. <laughs> uh, Mishawaka is you know, this wonderful place that mm -hmm. has rich history and that we, we need to, to trumpet our city. 
yeah. and to, to celebrate its its history. Yep. And so that was the background that I came from. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, professionally, I, I taught uh, high school for 32 years. Wow. Uh, and I, I left uh, that position last June wow. so that we could get the museum open. Uh-huh. I also uh, am the historian laureate for the city of Mishawaka. The right. official city historian is mm-hmm. How uh, neat. Pro- proclaimed by Mayor Wood. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and so I've had that position f- since 2019. Mm-hmm. But for many years before that, uh, I have been a historian focused on Mishawaka. Even long before we started doing uh, the Mishawaka Historical Museum, right. uh, I write articles or publish books. Uh, where the, the subject is the history of Mishawaka. And so I've had many, many wonderful experiences uh, writing about uh, the history of Mishawaka, uh-huh. speaking, sharing it with uh, our citizens. And so the uh, the museum is a natural extension yeah. uh, of my work as a Mishawaka historian. After meeting with Pete, what he just said there about the Mishawaka Historical Museum being a natural extension of his work as a Mishawaka historian is spot on. And I encourage you all to go check out any of his books, his writings, etc. Now, please know, I just met Pete, and I only met with him the two times, once at the museum and once in the studio. And just from those two meetings, I am not sure that I've hung out with an individual with more collective knowledge about their city than Pete DeKeever. The city of Mishawaka should be very, very thankful to Pete and his life's work. As a passionate local history nerd myself, I'm always looking for ways to preserve our past. And so I ask Pete that next. Why is it important to do so? Obviously, history is your passion. Local history is your passion. Um, man, why is it important that our local history is preserved and shared with others? Sure. I, you know, I'd say there are several reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you know, we, we want to... Uh, be able to have reason to be proud of our city, to love our city. And there are many reasons here in the present day right. to love Mishawaka, to be proud of the fact that we live there. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's so much history that, that we can be proud of, that we can celebrate. So it's, it's one more area uh, for us to have reason to, to love our city and to be proud of the city. Right. Um, I think it also gives us perspective on the yeah. changes in the community. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I often think about the fact that, you know, we, we have so much pressure for change mm-hmm. uh, in our modern society and American right. society in general to tear down old buildings, mm-hmm. for example, to, um, you know, to, to remake locations. And you know, I know in Europe it's, it's different where there's a tendency to, to save historic right. buildings, to find adaptive reuse for them. But in, in Indiana and in Mishawaka in the United States, you know, that that pressure goes in the other direction, and mm-hmm. I, I think by knowing our history, it gives us reason to uh, to save mm-hmm. these these remnants and reminders of our history. Not everything has to be torn down, thrown away. Amen. <laughs> and Amen. forgotten. Yeah. And. <laughs> I think the more we know our history, right. the more we are inclined to think, well, what can we do to save elements of our history right. or to to celebrate it, to create a monument, uh, to save a historic yep. building, um, to yep. to redo a park uh, in, in a way that is 
uh, preserving its mm -hmm. historical character, whatever the case may be. Right. Uh, and also, you know, I think just it saddens me to think about some of these people that are mentioned in the museum or in my research uh, being forgotten. You know, Good point. It's like Good they, point. they've died yes. a, a second time uh -huh. if they are forgotten. Yeah. And so when I get the opportunity to great restore point. somebody back into the collective life uh, and memory of our right, community, right. Um, that's a sacred calling. Uh, and I, yeah. I really, really appreciate that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I can do it through an article. I can do it through a book. But we can also do it in the Mishawak Historical Museum. He is definitely right there that our local history gives us a reason to celebrate, and it also gives us perspective. And I agree that not everything needs to be tore down and built new. Come on, folks. But I had never thought of it in such a poetic way as Pete did there. With him articulating the importance of preserving people's legacies and restoring their memories as being a sacred calling. That's powerful. Next, I ask Pete a question that makes us all want to be Marty McFly and hop in our DeLorean. Speaking of uh, Mishawaka historical figures, man, if you could go back in time or if you can meet one and talk to oh. one, who would it be? Wow, that's a good question. I would uh, I'd probably think about um, some of the people I've written about mm -hmm. because I feel like I know them better. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I've written a biography of Freddie Fitzsimmons, who was uh, the Major League Baseball player okay. from from Mishawaka. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many hours I've spent. You you uh, feel like researching. you know that? Yeah. I, I would love to meet Freddie. That's neat. Hang out with him. Yeah. Um, also, Rose Hartwick Thorpe, the poet from Mishawaka. Uh -huh. uh, I wrote a biography about her. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, really enjoy the opportunity to. Uh, to spend time with her, to talk about right. literature, poetry. Because it they almost become a part of your life. Yeah, and absolutely. they almost live with you yeah. as you're researching, writing. I mean, in the middle of the night, you wake up and <laughs> have and thoughts. And I, <laughs> and I can tell you, you know, while writing, you know, while typing at the computer, yeah. sometimes in the middle of the night, uh, working on those books, I, I could feel their presence. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. And so to actually be able to sit down with right. them. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I know my mom has mentioned that uh, someday when I pass away uh -huh. and I go on to heaven, hopefully, yeah. um, all the people from Mishawaka <laughs> history that will be waiting for me there that uh, I will enjoy being able to talk to. Oh, they're going to thank you. <laughs> they're going to just, well, I hope so. Or they'll, <laughs> hey, you brought that up about me, what I did in 1910. <laughs> that's funny though, but that's a, that's a great point. And I didn't even think of that when I asked the question either of making the connection between who you have written about and yeah, that's, that's neat. Next, you'll hear about a couple of guys who are just as passionate about Mishawaka's history as Pete is. And that passion helped spark the notion that Mishawaka needed its own historical museum. All right, well, let's talk about the, the Mishawaka Museum's journey. Um, sure. Talk to me about the origins of it and how the idea got sparked or just how, how, did, how, did, the, how did you make the decision to really jump into it? Yeah, really, the, the origin of the museum goes back almost 10 years okay. now. Uh, my dad, Jody Kiever, uh -huh. and another gentleman, Don Hearman, okay. uh, also a Mishawaka High School graduate. Uh -huh. uh, Don was a class of 58 graduate, and mm -hmm. my dad was class of 61. They didn't know each other in high school, but through my dad's weekly column in the Mishawaka Enterprise, mm -hmm. 
uh, Don, who was living in Lincroft, New Jersey, okay, uh, was reading the Enterprise and would occasionally email my dad with mm-hmm. a comment or observation. And then uh, Don would come to town once or twice a year. And then he and my dad started getting together for lunch mm-hmm. uh, during one of Don's visits. So they would see each other a couple of times. Right. And they would talk about you know, all the world's problems and try, <laughs> of course. try to solve them. And, you know, they would talk about Mishawaka right. and what the community needed. Uh-huh. And at some point in those conversations, the topic came up that Mishawaka needs a historical museum. Right. We're a city of... 51,000 people. Right. Um, we don't have a community historical museum. We had uh, the Hannah Lindell Children's Museum that right. closed, though, in 2018. Mm-hmm. We had already started the planning for our museum while it, Hannah Lindell was still in operation. But the focus of that museum was never specifically and entirely about Mishawaka. Right. They're a children's museum, and they have Correct. all kinds of other things that they would include. But for a long time, that was our only way of, mm-hmm. of celebrating and preserving Mishawaka history. But that wasn't enough. Right. And, you know, for it also frustrated them and me that, um, you know, basically if people wanted to see Mishawaka history mm-hmm. in a museum, they would have to go to South Bend to right. do it. Right. And, you know, the idea of outsourcing our history to yeah. South Bend mm-hmm. is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that had to end. And so that all was part of the motivation for us to uh, have a museum specifically and entirely focused on the history of Mishawaka. Right. So we incorporated in uh, the fall of 2016 Mm -hmm. and then bought uh, the building at 121 South Main Street uh, on May 5th, 2017. Mm -hmm. And we were fortunate that Don Hearman uh, donated the funds for the okay. purchase of the building. Right. So there was no mortgage involved. Uh-huh. Uh, we owned it outright from yep. the start. And, you know, like any construction project, <laughs> <laughs> it ended up uh, being a larger and more time-consuming task and more expensive <laughs> task than we originally envisioned. It was quite the juggling act for the six years of planning and creating the Mishawaka Historical Museum. The building had to be 100% gutted and completely renovated. And during the construction, they also had to collect artifacts and items for the museum. And oh, let's not forget about that all of this takes money. The museum is a nonprofit organization and it's not tied to the city or any big businesses. So they rely solely on donations. Next, Pete and I discuss that. And and you had mentioned in one of your um, newspaper articles that you had been interviewed. It was a 2021 Tribune article. We always move at the pace of fundraising. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean that that's a different dynamic. Yeah, because you, wow, working with a contractor, you really can't move faster than the funds you have from the fundraising. Right. And wow. With um, you know, with the fundraising, you know. One of the things we would have to do, uh, my dad and I, in mm-hmm. particular, since Don lived in New Jersey, right? Uh, we made probably more than fifty uh, fundraising sit-down meetings mm-hmm. with potential donors, wow. banks, funeral homes, uh, businesses, organizations. Some of them more than once, right? And we had a pretty good percentage of them that eventually ended up giving uh-huh. uh, to the museum. 
but we had our our presentation to the point where we had it memorized. <laughs> we didn't need any. This notes. is your father and yeah, you? my yeah. dad. <laughs> so you know, like after school, sometime we would uh, like we'd have a four o'clock meeting at such and such bank, right? And uh, and sometimes the person we were talking to was the person who could make the final decision about Correct. the fundraising. Other times they could just recommend it to their higher ups. Uh-huh. And you know, there were times where. Uh, the business person that we sat down with just wrote us a check. Right. Right there uh-huh. after listening to our presentation. Sometimes they would want to go in the museum building. Yep. Uh, and we, we would accommodate Absolutely. that. And we were, you know, we had all different types of amounts of right. uh, donations that we were given. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned at the, uh, the dedication of the uh, museum that every amount, regardless of size, was was appreciated and helpful because you accumulate a bunch of smaller amounts and maybe that enabled us to buy the new air conditioning unit right. that we had to get for the building. Mm-hmm. And we were fortunate too that our contractor, uh, Mark Horstman, uh, general contractor, okay. he was willing to do it kind of piecemeal with oh, us. Oh, nice. And I don't know that every other contractor construction company right. would have been willing to do that. Right. Right. And what's his name again? We can give a shout uh, out. Yeah. Mark Horstman, general contracting, and uh, he's located on West street in Mishawaka, Perfect. just about three blocks from the museum. Perfect. And it was a Mishawaka company. Yeah. And he's a lifelong Mishawaka and his family has been here for generations. That's perfect. That's great. That's great. Nothing is easy. Next. I asked Pete about some of the challenges in launching the museum. So what would you say would have been the biggest challenge or challenges prior to March of this year opening? Well, I know there was um, one one day that I think of in particular is in, I think, 2019, Uh February 2019. It had been really cold for for several days, like below zero, and we had a burst pipe. Oh. And uh, there, it was still at the point where the, the walls were down to the brick. Okay. So there, there wasn't any like drywall that okay. was damaged. But I remember coming in there on a Saturday afternoon to hear the sound of running water. Oh. And uh, it's our fault for not having the furnace functioning. Okay. But you know, still, that was a terrible feeling. And then, I, you know, um, trying to position the trash can so that the water yeah. would fall in the trash oh. can and then emptying it. Um, that was a, that was a bad experience. The heart just sinks. I, yeah. I, I really don't like to see any water no. in my building no. after that. At least it happened then and not with all the oh, artifacts yeah. in right. there. Oh my God, right. that would be, I mean, that, yeah. would, that would be devastating. Right. Uh, so that was certainly a challenge. Um, and then also the fact that, uh, you know, during our work on the building, uh, Don passed away uh-huh. in October 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad passed yeah. away in January of 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they 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 knew that progress was being made. Right. Don knew that uh, we had uh, we had, we had gotten a, a significant grant mm-hmm. shortly before he had passed away, and mm-hmm. he knew that that would secure a lot of progress right. on the building. My dad lived to see the finished walls, yeah. the finished floor yeah. uh, in the museum. Yeah. Um, but you know, that certainly is something that we've thought about uh, is the fact that they were not physically there right. to enjoy it, but we certainly also have felt their 
um, their spirit yes. in the building and like to think that they would be very pleased Absolutely. with the way it turned out. Oh, I am sure that they would be pleased and quite proud of the final product. The whole city of Mishawaka should be proud as well. Speaking of pride, I asked what Pete felt when the time came to actually open the museum. And I'm sure in March of this last month, when you opened, um, after all the years of planning, after all the fundraising, after all the ups and downs, after, I mean, losing your father, losing um, uh, the gentleman who helped, I mean, what types of feelings were going through your head when, when you could finally say that this museum is opened? <laughs> yeah, it, it was a great feeling. Wow. And, uh, you know, I think about, uh, actually, what comes to mind is the Lewis and Clark expedition. Okay. Uh, my dad and I, back in 2005, we retraced the Lewis and Clark wow. expedition on a long car oh, journey. Oh, that's neat. And there's the, a moment where the expedition got to Astoria, Oregon, and the mouth of the Columbia River, okay. the Pacific Ocean. And the quote, the great quote is, ocean in view, oh, the joy. Okay. And that was kind of a similar thought that I had when we were at the point where all the artifacts yes. were in place, all the, uh, all the furnishings that we needed to right. open were there. Right. And that was our ocean in view. Oh, the joy. Moment. Yes. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, it's just, it has to be a really neat, just a neat feeling. I yeah. mean, just with all the hard, the, the, the ups and downs of it, and then finally opening it. Now that many of the challenges in launching the museum have been tackled, it's time to get the word out and encourage people to visit. And folks, this isn't the Smithsonian that'll take you three days to walk through. We're talking about an hour or an hour and a half of your time. You'll hear about that next. Inevitably, uh, everybody who's in the museum comments on how, how impressed they are mm -hmm. with it and how, uh, how they learn lots of things. Mm -hmm. It's rich with artifacts and photos and information. Mm -hmm. um, and our challenge is just to get more people in the door. Right. We know and we're very confident that they will be pleased and satisfied with their experience Once they're there uh, how do you get them Correct. away from their all the other distractions and yes. things that they could possibly be doing to come to the museum and spend right. an hour or an hour and a half right um and so you know we're getting the word out through the media and yep. uh, event, creating events and, right. and such to bring more people in right. the door right. we're also working on school field trips here mm -hmm. um uh, before the end of the school year for the rest of the episode I wanted our listeners to get a feel for the types of cool Mishawaka artifacts that you'll see when you visit. And as you'll hear, it is presented in a fashion that is easy to navigate and organized into sections. Schools, famous Mishawakans, religion, and so forth. Next, Pete describes some of the artifacts that you'll see in the business and industry section. Let's start with the business and industry. Um, just... Mishawaka, like South Bend, like a lot of cities around our area, were built on industry. Right. Uh, and uh, you have a whole section on it. Just provide me a highlight or or just an overview of our the business and industry section. Sure. And you know, we knew that um, the, the most prominent of our exhibit areas needed to be about businesses and industries mm -hmm. because uh, most of our the largest number of our artifacts would fit in that category. Okay. And it acknowledges the fact that um, 
private enterprise, uh, right. various types um, right. and sizes. That paid the freight, and it still pays the freight in Mishawaka. That was the beginnings of the community, was St. Joseph Ironworks, and uh, the profits from those businesses and the result of workers' labor uh, paid for everything, right? Uh, taxes, donations to churches, schools, etc. Uh, and so in our businesses and industries exhibit, mm -hmm. we have uh, Dodge Manufacturing represented. It's on a diamond-shaped platform, which uh -huh. acknowledges that their logo for many years was a diamond D, uh, diamond-shaped uh, with a, a D in the middle. Right. And then we have Ball Band, mm -hmm. the largest of our uh, exhibits there in the uh, churches and, uh, I'm sorry, in the uh, businesses and industries uh, area is... Uh, for Ball Band, mm -hmm. um, we have uh, Indestructo Trunk Company represented, uh -huh. uh, Wheelabrator, Bonnie Dune, Cam so and Schellinger Brewery, and then in a glass case, a taller case, we have some other Mishawaka businesses and industries for which we had smaller objects that, uh, yeah. that really needed to be uh, under under glass. Right. And right. so uh, Perkins Windmill Company would be mm -hmm. one, uh, Hotel Mishawaka would be another. Uh, Mishawaka Farmers Dairy mm -hmm. uh, is also represented there. Several of our banks uh, are represented uh, in that case as well. Business and industry is how and why our cities are here. And so that section is really, really cool. Now, I've lived here my entire life, except for the few years that I went to college at IU. Go Hoosiers. And one thing that I've learned in my 45 years of existence is that the good people of Mishawaka love their Mishawaka cavemen and the color maroon. If you've ever been to Steel Stadium on a fall Friday night, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. Next, we talk about the section in the museum that highlights Mishawaka schools. Now, I know living in South Bend over here my whole life that, and going to Adams High School here, that Mishawaka has a lot of school spirit. Oh, yeah. That maroon is all <laughs> over the place. The yeah. caveman pride. <laughs> right. That's, those are really our, our kind of our unofficial city colors. Yeah. Uh, is maroon and white. Uh huh. And uh, I think even our city water towers, uh, if you notice around town, yes. Uh, they're they they're maroon and white. <laughs> and maroon and white, we knew from the beginning that that was going to be the color scheme yeah. for the museum. Right. Uh, so it's basically white walls uh -huh. and then all of the signage. Um, and some quotations we have on the walls, um, uh, that's all maroon. Our, yep. our, our, our awning out front that says Mishawaka historical museum is maroon and white. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and you yeah. have the, the maroon and white school spirit section in the back. Yes. There. Talk to me about the, the, uh, the school spirit section sure. or of the exhibit. The largest of the, um, collections in, uh, the school's exhibit is from Mishawaka high school. We have a lot more things that we could put on display. I probably could have had twice as much for Mishawaka High School. Right. And uh, so some of the items that we have in uh, Mishawaka High School uh, exhibit, uh, we have uh, we have a letter jacket that uh -huh. was worn by Coach Marvin Wood. Okay. Uh, he was the basketball coach at Mishawaka High School in the 1970s and part of the 60s. And he was the coach as depicted in the movie Hoosiers. Yes, he was correct? the inspiration. Okay. He, okay. Because his great claim to fame uh, as a coach is uh, 
having coached Milan mm-hmm. to the 1954 state championship. Mm-hmm. But uh, in 1965, he came to Mishawaka okay. for a year and was gone then for three years and came back okay. and then lived the rest of his life nice. in Mishawaka. We also have a large piece of the original gym floor from the old Mishawaka High School, which later was Maine Junior High. It was restored by by an Eagle Scout for his project. It's five foot by five foot Mm -hmm. in a frame, one of our signature pieces. It is. It's on the wall. Right. Um, We have uh, diplomas from Uh Mishawaka High School, uh, a Maroons blanket that was used on the bench uh, during basketball games at Mishawaka High School, the players would have sat on it uh, during the 1960s when Bob Smith was the coach mm-hmm. and all sorts of other yep. uh, Mishawaka High School memorabilia. But. Yeah, it's cool. I think anybody who went to Mishawaka <laughs> schools, I think anybody who uh, continues to cheer on the, yeah. the, the varied athletic events, I, I think that they'll love it. I, I do. It's, yeah. it's neat. We hope so. And that piece from the basketball court is pretty darn cool. And I'm sure that the students over a century ago at the old Mishawaka High School never would have thought that portions of their gym floor would be on display in a museum. Next, we talk about the section of the museum that highlights some famous Mishawakans. Also have a famous Mishawakans area. Yes. Talk to me about that. Yes, that was one of my favorite exhibits to put together. Okay. Because, you know, some people think that, like, nobody famous ever came from Mishawaka. Even people from Mishawaka think Uh that. But, you know, when you start listing them, there were lots of people who maybe were born in Mishawaka or who lived at Mishawaka at some point uh, and then became nationally or internationally Mm -hmm. famous. Uh, We have to acknowledge, though, that their international or national fame generally came when they were no longer living in Mishawaka. (laughs) But, you know, that's that's another issue, I guess. And so we have, uh, certainly there's Adam Driver, uh-huh. uh, Kylo Ren from Star Wars. Um, we don't have any items that he personally owned. Right. We've, we've tried. but uh, Adam, we, if you're listening, hook <laughs> us up. We do have a movie poster. We have uh, one of the, like a foot tall action figures. Right. Uh, he's one of the few Mishawakans, actually there have been two, who've had action figures uh, made um, in their likeness. Yeah. Um, and we have uh, also the uh, Candoli brothers, uh, Pete and Conti Candoli. Mm-hmm. They were internationally famous jazz trumpeters. Okay. They grew up in the West End. Raymo Belli is one of the most uh, significant graduates. I would say the most significant mm-hmm. alumnus of Mishawaka High School. He invented synthetic drum heads. transformed the world of music, right. popular music. Uh, he was a class of 1945 graduate. Okay. Uh, he created the world's largest um, drum manufacturer. Wow. Uh, there's also uh, Alan Rocky Lane, who was the uh, cowboy actor in the 1940s and okay. 50s. And he was the voice of Mr. Ed on the TV right. show okay. in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. So uh, lots of people don't realize. That I didn't he, know until you told me yeah. when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have a, a large display for Elizabeth Ann Richardson. Okay. Uh, she was a Mishawaka woman who uh, served in the American Red Cross during World War II. And uh, she was killed in a plane crash mm-hmm. in France in July, 1945. Uh, and she's buried at uh, Normandy American Cemetery overlooking okay. Omaha Beach. Um, 
She has become uh, probably the most famous American woman to die in uniform wow. during World War II. And then, of course, there's also Freddie Fitzsimmons, the uh, uh, only Major League Baseball player to have come from Mishawaka. Right. We have a pair of pants that he wore uh, in a game. Uh-huh. And uh, we also have a mannequin dressed as he would have looked uh, when he played for Heavy the New York Giants. Heavy wool uniform. Yeah. Ooh. Right. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Out there in the heat in those heavy wool uniforms. Ooh. And now, a brief word from one of our sponsors. I want to thank Beefo Brady's and Granger for sponsoring this episode. Good burgers, tacos, wings, fajitas, and even surf and turf are on their menu. Check out their weekday restaurant deals, family meal deals, and catering menu. Grabbing takeout food for the family is simple. Just order online for a quick and easy pickup. They have a full-service bar and a party room that you can reserve for your family, friends, or business. Side note, I've rented out the party room a few times for special occasions and get-togethers, and it is great, especially if you're a guy. Because if you're like me, a lot of those little event planning details like silverware, plates, napkins, that all gets lost in the mix and forgotten. But with Bevo Brady's party room, you just call them up, reserve the room, Tell them how many people and what you would like to eat and drink, and that's it. They do the rest. You just mingle and have a great time. Anyways, Beef O'Brady's is locally owned, and in my experience, the staff there is outstanding. And the owner, Mark, is just a really, really good dude. Make Beef O'Brady's your favorite sports bar restaurant every game day. You can find them at 12479 State Road 23 in Granger. The phone number is 574 271 1415 and their website link is in the show notes. And now back to the episode. Next, we talk about a really neat train set that is on display in the museum. And it has meaning in that it is Don Hearman's train set, who was one of the founders of the Mishawaka Historical Museum. In the rear gallery, okay, uh, in the Hearman Gallery, uh, we have a working model train set. It's on a 10-foot by 6-foot platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of our volunteers will press a button and the train runs for two minutes. And the story behind that is when Don was growing up in Mishawaka in the 1940s and 50s uh, on 7th Street, about four blocks from the museum, Mm -hmm. uh, he started collecting um, Lionel O-Gage model trains. And had a big display in his basement. And throughout the rest of his life, he continued to build his uh-huh. train collection. And part of Don's motivation for creating the museum was having a place for uh, his train set to live on after he had passed I away. Okay. And so after Don right. um, passed away in uh, early 2022, uh, his train set was boxed up shipped by the estate okay. to Mishawaka. Right. We had a couple local model train experts recreate a p- okay. portion of that train set. And uh, it's it's our most uh, popular exhibit. Is it? Uh, when people get to yeah. see the, tr- the train set you run. You see it, hear it, and, and you right. t- turn the lights off. You can see the, the lights in there and everything. That's cool. Right. Mishawaka has some military heritage as well, and that is on display at the museum. And I bet you didn't know that supersonic surface-to-air missiles were made in Mishawaka during the Cold War. Uh, Also in that rear gallery, we have a military heritage exhibit. Uh, There's a 
wonderful large photograph, like four feet by five feet, uh -huh. of Mishawaka soldiers headed off to World War One. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can look in the eyes of those men That's across. Right. I mean, there's like three or four feet separating you from those men, yes. there's, but there's a hundred years of history that you can look right into their you can eyes. Too. You pointed that out to me when yeah. we were there and you truly can, really um, clearly. We also remember um, Captain Richard Brenneman. Mm -hmm. He was a POW in Vietnam. Uh, he's still alive, but everybody in Mishawaka should know who Richard Brenneman is. Okay. And so we have um, photographs mm -hmm. representing him. We have a display on the Talos missile the most remarkable industrial right. product ever made in Mishawaka. Uh, it was a supersonic surface-to-air missile <laughs> made by Bendix Corporation mm -hmm. on South Beager Street, uh, used on Navy cruisers during wow. uh, the Vietnam War. Again, people need to know Correct. we made those things yes. here. Yes. Um, it was designed here, built here, uh -huh. and helped uh, to defend our country. I think there's a picture of... Uh a parade or something like that. Yes. Is that right? Like they were, they were parading the one of the finished right. missiles on, down the street. It made its debut uh, at the Memorial Day Parade in 1958. Okay. Uh, prior to that, I mean, it was kept kind of secretive. secretive yeah. Right? You know, people were not allowed to go and just tour the Bendix no. plant and see what they were working on no. there. Uh, and so it was put on a flatbed truck and was part of the parade. Uh -huh. uh, and after that, it becomes a little more public as to just what this thing right. is. Uh, that we've been manufacturing. There is so much more there on display than we could ever capture in an hour podcast episode, so you definitely have to go check the museum out. For example, in the Church and Faith exhibit, there's a small piece of metal that comes from the old First Presbyterian Church that burned in the Great Mishawaka Fire of 1872. It's the only remnant left from that great fire. And what's neat is that museum sits very close to the site of where the fire occurred and where the church burned. Next, I asked Pete about his favorite artifact. What is your what what would you say your favorite artifact or piece or or exhibit in the museum is? Mm, well, that's a good question. Um, probably the Mishawaka High School yeah. uh, exhibit. Because I'm, I, I believe maroon. Leading maroon. I believe maroon. <laughs> and, uh, but also yeah. the, the famous Mishawakans, because mm -hmm. I, I've written about many of those people. Right. Again, Rose Hartwick Thorpe is represented there, Freddie Fitzsimmons. Uh -huh. uh, I've followed Elizabeth Richardson mm -hmm. uh, all the way to France and stood at her grave. Right. And so um, being able to see those individuals yes. represented. Uh, is is very meaningful to me. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to have the businesses and industries because they were so important. Mm -hmm. um, but like in the ball band exhibit, we're not really highlighting individuals Correct. there. And so there's not really, aren't really so many uh, names and faces right. attached to the footwear that we have on display. Yeah. But with famous Mishawakans, it's all about the individuals. Yeah. When you look at the industry, the industry artifacts museum, it's not as personalized. Um, it's hard to put, it's just not as personalized, but when you look at there is a person's, you know, name, here's the uniform they wore here, are their stories. I think it, yeah. it personalizes it more. And even for you, even more, since those are the folks that you've spent a lot of time researching and, and sharing with others. So I can see how the displays about the individuals that he has researched and written about are his favorite and how nice it is to have the items that were actually touched and owned by the person. 
We wrap up the talk about the displays with a cautionary tale. And I am in complete agreement with Pete in regards to saving our historical buildings. What are some other uh, exhibits that some some patrons may see when they come sure. on in? Um, in the uh, the Hearman Gallery of the museum, mm-hmm. we have a rotating exhibit that at this time is devoted to the Tivoli Theater. Yes, uh, and uh, people are are always very interested to see that absolutely uh, that exhibit because either they have memories of that building mm-hmm. or they have no memories of it. They've come here since it was demolished. Mm-hmm. And they're amazed that such a building once stood in Mishawaka. Right. So we have a couple large photographs. Uh, we also have pieces of the building. Uh-huh. Uh, we have some uh, a drum set that right. was used in the building. And we really want to use it to emphasize that if we don't take care of our historic buildings, Thank you. if they fall, if they are taken down, they are gone forever. And let the Tivoli be a cautionary mm-hmm. tale about what happens when a city, yeah. not just its government, but the city as a whole, the community, mm-hmm. fails mm-hmm. to protect uh, a, a building like that. Mm-hmm. So we have the Tivoli Theater exhibit. And what's standing where the Tivoli was at now? Uh, it's a CVS. And you can put that on any <laughs> anywhere. corner, anywhere. Right. So anywhere. that is a cautionary example. Yes, absolutely. That's the truth there. As soon as our historical buildings are taken down, they are gone forever. And to think that a CVS pharmacy that can literally be built on any swath of land in the country is located where that beautiful theater once stood. There are a few quotes that are painted on the walls of the Mishawaka Historical Museum. Next, I asked Pete about one of them. God bless the good people of Mishawaka. There are some quotes written around the oh, museum, yeah. and you'd mentioned <laughs> earlier uh, the walls are a white color and the quotes are maroon. It goes with the theme of of, of Mishawaka, and one of the quotes is um, by Father August Oostering. Right, Father August Oostering. And the quote says, and it's it's above the the door, above the the entrance or the exit, and it says, "God bless the good people of Mishawaka." Yeah, you want to share a little background about that? Yeah, that's one of my favorite uh-huh. Mishawaka quotes. Um, Father Oostering was the pastor at St. Joseph Church. Okay. So a block and a half from, mm-hmm. almost like a block just from the museum. Uh, he came to Mishawaka in 1867 okay. and uh, passed away and was still the pastor at the time in 1902. Mm-hmm. He's responsible for building uh, that magnificent church building right. that Beautiful. we still have at St. Joe. Also, the the former rectory where the parish office is now, that was built during his tenure there. And so Father Oostering, uh, in late 1902, uh, he's he's ill, dying, Mm -hmm. and he's he's, uh, taken to Fort Wayne, Mm -hmm. to a hospital there where the diocese uh, is located. And uh, one of of his parishioners, a man named Vincent Bruner, Mm Yeah, uh, he was Vincent Bruner was a um, historian. Uh, he ran a grocery store, but on the side he was a right. historian. So he's like my. Aren't we he, all on the he, side? He, huh? He's my predecessor. <laughs> there you go. Uh, he was he was the town historian, okay. but a parishioner at St. Joseph's. And so Vincent goes down to Fort Wayne to uh, basically say his goodbyes to right. uh, Father Oostering, and they visit for a while. A few hours later, 
Father Oostering passes away. Mm-hmm. But as he was, as Vincent was getting ready to leave, uh, Father Oostering, one of the last things he said to him was, uh, may God bless the good people of Mishawaka. And so that's a deathbed blessing right. from this holy man. And uh, I like to think in part that Mishawaka has been blessed uh-huh. over the past 120 years. Uh, all the growth and prosperity that we've seen in Mishawaka, it's such a good place to live. Could some of that be the result of the deathbed, hey. deathbed blessing of this, this holy man? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also in a more immediate sense, each person who goes in and out of the museum receives a blessing there you go. from Father Oostering. Raise your hand if you've ever purchased a Big Mac, a Whopper, a mocha latte from Starbucks. If you've purchased those things, then you have an idea of about how much it costs to go to the Mishawaka Museum. Next, we talk about that and how you pretty much don't have any excuse to not visit. What are the hours? How much are sure, tickets? Sure, yes. Talk to me. Uh, we are open Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays uh-huh. from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the same hours for each of those uh, days of the week. Mm-hmm. And then our uh, admission cost is $5 for adults, $3 for school-age children, mm-hmm. and children younger than that are free. So you mean for the for the cost of... A Big Mac. Or less. <laughs> yeah. They can go experience all this rich Mishawaka right, history. Right. And you you know, it's less expensive than going to, let's say, a high school basketball game. It is. Uh, it's hard to get anything anymore for five dollars. It's you very can, hard. You can get an hour, hour and a half, or as long yes. as you want to spend in the Mishawaka Museum learning about all these yes. people and topics from Mishawaka's past. For the cost of five dollars, literally, the cost of me going to Seven Eleven and getting a <laughs> bag of chips and a pack of gum, a bag of chips and a pack of gum—that's all it costs. Next, we wrap up the episode by sharing a few more reasons why you should visit the Mishawaka Historical Museum. It's not like you're walking into a giant space that'll take you. F- eight hours to go through a giant museum. I mean, it, it is all right there. An hour, hour and a half. I mean, yeah. uh, just rich history. And I, I highly encourage anybody to head there. It's 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 just neat. And like I said, it's just, it's clean, it's organized, and it's right, right downtown Mishawaka. It's a great location. Yeah. Uh, right in the heart of where so much of that history mm-hmm. has occurred. A uh, very visible location. Absolutely. And parking is not a problem. No. Um, there are parking spaces on Main Street right mm-hmm. in front of the museum. There's parking right around the corner on mm-hmm. 3rd. And there is a also a municipal lot mm-hmm. just half a block away to the west. Right, so, right, uh, right. We're easy to get to. Very easy to get to. Very inexpensive. It's, it's for all the reasons that we've just met with. I definitely recommend folks coming. Uh, also, listeners, I'll have their website uh, link in the show notes. Um, and if you... Uh, listen to our or follow us on social media. Uh, you'll you'll see some of their uh, pictures of the museum that that I took when I was in there, and you can also find the links on my social media as well. So uh, we really want to to spread the good word. Thank you, man. So all right, well, hey, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks right. for having me. Absolutely, thank <laughs> you. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Round the Bend Now and Then. Thank you to Pete DeKeever for coming on and sharing all about the Mishawaka Historical Museum. I hope that our listeners now have all the reasons in the world to visit and check out all of the cool local Mishawaka history that it provides. On behalf of our area, I thank Pete and everyone else who put blood, sweat, and tears into making the museum a reality. We'll wrap it up here, but I do have a few favors to ask. If you like the show, please just share it with others that you think would appreciate it too. Just copy and paste the link and you can simply text it to somebody. Also, download or subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you listen to it on. Be sure to follow or like us on Twitter, at Round the Bend Pod, or on Facebook, Round the Bend Now and Then, or the original Twitter account that kind of sparked all of this, at Round the Bend 574. Lastly, provide me with feedback. If you like anything, let me know. If you don't, let me know. Email me, roundthebend574 at gmail.com, or you can message me on Twitter or Facebook. Thank you again for joining me as we learn more about South Bend and Mishawaka's Now and Then.